everyone and welcome to Riverside Online. First of all, happy Women's Day to all the incredible women of South Africa. Here's to the mothers, daughters and grandmothers who nurture and boldly lead in their area of influence. If you are new to Riverside Online or want to engage with us, please click on the connect with us link on our website. We are near the end of our Live Upside Down series, so if you have missed any of our previous messages, simply go to YouTube, Riverside Community SA. So you know how scars are supposed to make you look super cool because they've got these awesome stories of trial and adventure? Well, I don't have any of those kinds of scars. But I do want to start off by telling you a story about one of my scars, even though the story is pretty average. So Bianca and I were at a pastors and spouses retreat with our last church out in the Drakensberg, having a wonderful time. During one of the downtime sessions, we were in the entertainment outdoor LARPA area where they had some table tennis. Um, in between some games, there was a side table and on the side table was a big jar. And in the side of the big jar was a massive hole through the glass. So I stuck my hand in through the hole, looking at what looked like those kind of um, clear glass pebbles at the bottom of the jar. But instead of my fingers closing in on some cold, hard, clear pebbles, it was actually those gooey jelly things that people put at the bottom of jars. Felt like eyeballs to me. So I pulled my hand out and there was a perfectly positioned shard of glass to slice my hand open. Now again, Pretty silly story, but here's what that has to do with today. We are in the final straits of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus has said, this is who I am and this is what my kingdom is about. And now instead of leaving us in a position where we go home, we evaluate his sermon, we comment about whether he told enough jokes or not, um, and then go away unchanged, he is doing what all good preachers do, and that is he's pushing for a verdict. He's pushing for a response where he's leaving us only one of two options, not 20 options or 2,000 options, one of two options. Are you in or are you out? And so today, in today's message, we are going to be speaking about a case of mistaken identity. Just like I had a case of mistaken identity in that uh, pastor's retreat, and it actually turned out to be quite dangerous for me and could have been far worse. So Jesus is going to teach us just how, when it comes to false teachers and false disciples, a case of mistaken identity, it too is equally dangerous. So let's read together what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start at verse 15, where Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruits, and a bad tree bears bad fruits. A good tree cannot bear bad fruits, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruits. Every tree that does not bear good fruits is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits you will recognize them. Let's stop there for now. So firstly, Jesus is going to talk to us about mistaken identity when it comes to false teachers. Now, here's what you need to know about what Jesus is saying here. He's not, in this case, speaking about false religions and false cults and sects out there. He is speaking about false teachers within the ranks of Christianity. 
Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about false teachers, but here's what Jesus wants you to know. He wants you to know that they look like sheep, right? They look like sheep. They're, they're nice and they're warm and appealing and they look like you and you like them. They look like sheep. You see, false teachers don't always look like and act like weird psychopathic suicide cult leaders. They can have very attractive ministries and they can be nice and eloquent and likable and they can have great books and great influence and they can have great worship albums. And now Jesus is asking us to do something which will make some of you feel quite uncomfortable and that is to take a second look at some of these teachers and learn to discern whether behind this sheep appearing person is actually a wolf. Now think about this with me, and I know it's a bit of a simplistic illustration, but if you had to walk up to a real sheep, uh, walk up to a real sheep, you want to give it a hug, you want to give it a bit of love, but it actually turns out to be a wolf. Is that like a big deal or a medium deal or not such a big deal? I think you'll very quickly find out that it is a big deal. In fact, it is a very dangerous thing to mistake a wolf for a sheep. So Jesus is asking us to take this very seriously. Now when it comes to evaluating whether there are some false teachers out there, there's kind of two ways we can go. I think for some of us, our circle is too small. Our circle is too small. And what I mean by that is, Anyone who doesn't agree with your pet doctrine, your particular view on the end times or your particular view on Israel or blood moons or, or whatever gets you excited, anyone who doesn't agree with you is a heretic and you blast them, especially on social media, right? Now, if there was one person who loved theology and loved truth, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, he was theologically very thorough and he wanted to make sure that he was dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Now, in the book of Philippians, he was in prison and he heard about these other teachers out there. And we, we don't know how this looked exactly, but they were out there to discredit Paul in the way that they taught. This was all about one-upmanship and their motives were impure when it came to them preaching the gospel. And this is what Paul had to say. He says this, and, and this kind of gives me some pause here. He says, but what does it matter? He says, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. So Paul is not endorsing their motives. He's not endorsing their methods. But Paul could step back and see a bigger picture and see it in a positive light. And so sometimes when it may be for me, I'm getting hypercritical of some other teachers out there. God kind of taps me on the shoulder with this verse and says, Stephen, maybe your circle is getting too small. But when it comes to the Sermon on the Mount and these verses in Matthew 7, that's not what Jesus is speaking about. He's speaking about those of us for whom our circles are too big. We're welcoming too many false teachers into our circle of influence. And Jesus is saying there are very real false teachers out there and they don't look dangerous. But he's trying to get us to understand that they are very dangerous. Now, maybe you're a new Christian and I don't know if this is going to shock you. But not every book in a Christian bookstore, not every podcast, and not every worship album, and not every influential ministry 
is a good healthy ministry and is good healthy influence in fact some of them are actually dangerous even under the guise of christianity and what makes this so tough is that so often that the false teachers are attractive and we are attracted to their ministries we like what they put out you see they're never like a hundred percent wrong that wouldn't be a wolf in sheep's clothing that would be a wolf you see them from a mile away Jesus is warning us against a wolf in sheep's clothing where we need to take a second or a third or a fourth look with some incredible levels of discernment. I know from time to time, Craig and I, and maybe you've had to do this as well, where you've had to just come along someone out of a concern about a certain influence, a teacher in their lives, and you've had to just bring something to the fore. And I know the first response is always, but how can you do that, Steve? I mean, these are Christians. How can you criticize fellow Christian leaders? Well, Jesus is calling us to do that. And not just me and Craig and other leaders. He is calling you to grow in this level of discernment. So how do we do this? Well, Jesus says very clear. You need to look at their fruits. By their fruit, you can tell that they are not genuine disciples and teachers. So firstly, let's talk about theological fruit. Theological fruit. 2 Timothy 4 verses 3 says, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. We get tired of sound doctrine. We want something new. We want something insightful. We want something that's going to excite us, right? So instead, to suit their own desires, I'm being driven by what I want to hear. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers. A great number of teachers. Paul is warning us that there's not going to be the odd false teacher out there. There's going to be plenty of them. To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. People only tell me what I want to hear. Now, when it comes to evaluating theology theology and doctrine, uh, maybe those words are a bit intimidating to you. Basically, what that means is, what does the Bible say on any one particular topic? And let's put it together and see what God's heart is on this topic. That's doctrine and theology. We need to understand that this kind of core doctrine, and then there are secondary issues, and maybe even tertiary issues. I like to talk about closed-handed doctrine versus open-handed doctrine. Now, on one hand, we can make a mistake where we take secondary issues or even tertiary issues and we try and make them core issues. And anyone who disagrees with my secondary or tertiary issue becomes a heretic. But on the other hand, there are actual core issues in the Christian faith. Issues that the scriptures work very hard to make crystal clear to us. And on those, we need to agree. Some of these secondary issues are even important issues. Issues like baptism or or whether or not the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to us today. But they are still not core issues. But when it comes to core issues, we need to look out for people who speak in undermining ways. Now, there are a whole lot of issues that I can raise. But number one, we need to look out for how people talk about Scripture. How people talk about scripture when pastors and teachers are speaking in a way that undermines scriptures or undermines the clear teaching of scriptures or they're bringing always radical new insights and radical new revelations 
from God himself that actually undermines scripture, we need to be very cautious at this point. Now, now I raise this idea of scripture first, not because it's more important than Jesus or the reality of the gospel, but if we get this one right, it will help us discern the rest because scripture is a revelation. God has chosen to reveal himself to us in the words of scripture. And so we can look at scripture to see what people have to say. So we need to look at how people speak about scripture. Number two, We need to look out for how people speak about the triune God, triune Trinity. In other words, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And almost always, when you get someone who is undermining the integrity of the Word of God, they are also going to be, in some sense, undermining or demoting one of the persons of the Godhead, Father or the Son of the Holy Spirit. Where some have said, no, the Spirit is just a force. Or where people have said, well, Jesus is just a created being and we can be like Jesus in the full sense. Or Jesus was given divinity. These are all false and they are untrue. And then thirdly, we need to look out for how people speak about the gospel, about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And more specifically, why we have the life and the death of the resurrection. And when people speak about the gospel in ways that the gospel doesn't speak about itself, we have to be very careful. Probably one of the most abundant heresies at the moment is what is known as the health and the wealth gospel. Basically, that the gospel is that Jesus came to make you healthy and wealthy and happy. Now that sounds wonderful, right? I mean, there's no wonder that this kind of preaching of the gospel attracts massive crowds that sounds so appealing to what I want to hear. However, while I don't have time to fully expound on all the errors of the health and wealth gospel, one of my first responses is, well, clearly Jesus never knew the health, wealth and prosperity gospel. Clearly Paul never knew the health, wealth and prosperity gospel or most of the other disciples because they were poor and they died horrible deaths. So we need to look out for how people speak about the gospel. Now, if we're going to set up these three, scripture, the Godhead, and the gospel as kind of three markers that are going to help us discern theological fruit, yes, there are many more that we can look at, but these are probably going to set you up to be equipped to see wolves in sheep clothing. And so we're going to look at their fruit. We're going to look at their theological fruit. But secondly, we're going to look at the fruits of their character. The fruits of their character. Listen to what Peter writes in Peter 2 verses 1 to 3a. He says, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. So here Peter is speaking about theological fruit. But then he goes on to the fruits of their character. He says, many will follow. Again, many, many will follow in their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, bold, highlight, underline that word greed. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Now, again, sometimes these false teachers are are wonderful, nice people, but sometimes not too far beneath the surface are moral issues that need to raise your concern. So watch out for tax evasion schemes. Watch out for schemes that 
basically focus almost exclusively on money and enriching themselves. I mean, I heard one guy saying that the reason why he needs a brand new Learjet, I mean, he already had a bunch. The reason he needs a new Learjet is so that he doesn't have to be on the subway with all the evil uh, demon-possessed people. Now, again, obviously Jesus never got that memo because Jesus was always around sinners and people who were even demon-possessed. Watch out for clever justifications of lies and cover-ups and fraud and sexual predation and abuse of power. Now, yes, all, all leaders at some level are prone to some of these kinds of things, but these are important red flags that need to cause you to take a second or a third look here. Now, now here's my last appeal on this. If there is a, a teacher or a ministry in your life and you're always needing to justify justify character issues that keep on being raised or justify ministry where the fruit just seems off right or or justify bad theological fruit if you're always needing to explain that away maybe that's a sign for you to stop and have the courage to pause and maybe this is a wolf in sheep's clothing now there are many great leaders and ministries out there so my question is why, if we're always needing to justify something, why not just go for where there's health and where there's clarity and where there's gospel certainty instead of kind of flirting with possibly a wolf in sheep's clothing? Now, absolutely, leaders make mistakes. And I have been personally disappointed by leaders who I don't believe were sheep's in uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. These were, I, I think, the genuine deal, but for whatever reason, the wheels came off. And for that matter, I am not a perfect leader. And so we're not talking about a witch hunt here, but we are talking about careful, prayerful, biblical discernment in a community where we take time and we take this seriously because Jesus wants us to take this seriously. And we trust some of our leaders in this and we make some good decisions from that. So Jesus moves from talking about false teachers to false disciples. So let's read on Matthew 7 verses 21 onwards where he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? But then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now this kind of came up last week and again maybe this might shock you that not everyone who calls himself a Christian according to Jesus not according to me according to Jesus not everyone who calls himself a Christian is actually a Christian and again these are not evil people these are not cat murderers and sex traffickers these are people in this passage who are in church these are people who are doing ministry these are people who maybe even hold ministry leadership positions these are people who somehow and this blows my mind somehow god has even used them to do some supernatural things right and so how do we make sense of this well, according to Jesus, the biggest marker here is going to be their lifestyle. Because he talks about those who do the will of my Father in heaven versus those who he says, away from me, I never knew you, you evildoers. 
So he's not talking about Christians, imperfect Christians like you and me who fall, who are on the narrow path, who are stumbling with Jesus, who are stumbling in community, who are falling forward and are on the path and sometimes the difficult path of transformation. Jesus is talking about people for whom there is zero evidence of transformation, zero evidence of lifestyle change. There is nothing about them that indicates that they have met the risen Jesus Christ and that they are living in the presence and the presence of Jesus is in them. Now, maybe you remember the story of the prodigal son. And one of the things that story shows us is that there are two ways to be far from God. The one way, which is maybe the first thing that comes to mind for some of us, is the way of the youngest son. That is the way of just, I'm walking away from this. I'm walking away from the, my father. I'm walking away from his house. I'm going to take this into my own hands and, and I'm going to fall into sexual promiscuity or whatever. But, you know, it's kind of the obvious sins. That's the way of the younger brother. But what that story also tells us is that the older brother was equally far from his father's heart. But his root wasn't to fall into so-called obvious sin. His root was a sin of religiosity, the sin of pride and self-righteousness. These are sins that we kind of reward often in a church context. And yet the story tells us that he was also far from God. And so Jesus is kind of addressing both of these people in the story over here. Now, I want to be very careful here because I don't want to incite any judgment or, or self-condemnation for anyone who is actually a disciple of Jesus. But this is something that we need to pause and think about. The scriptures say that we need to work out our salvation with fear and with trembling. And so every now and again, to take an audit of our salvation is a good thing. So here are some questions that I'm going to ask you to ask of yourself, but also to ask of God. Assume that maybe you've got some blind spots. Assume that maybe God sees something in you that needs to change, that you don't know about. And again, this isn't only to discern whether or not there's a false faith here. I think asking these questions can also promote greater faith and lead genuine believers into higher levels of faith and discipleship. So... Here's the first question I wanted to ask of yourself, but also to ask of God to make clear to you. And the question is this, do I love Jesus? Do I love Jesus? Do you know it's possible to love church and churchy things? Do you know it's possible to love ministry? It is possible to love morality without loving Jesus. Obviously, it's also possible to love sin and to love the world and our fleshy desires without loving Jesus. So my question is, do you love Jesus? When you see him speaking about his kingdom, where you see him living in this world, where you see why he came to die and rose again, do you love Jesus? Are you drawn towards him? Is there something stirred in your heart where you grow in love and passion and worship of Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Question number one. Question number two. Do I show evidence of fruit? Do I show evidence of fruit? I mentioned earlier a verse that I'm going to read the whole verse. It says here in Philippians 2 verses 12 to 13. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is something we come back to time and time again. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act 
according to his good purpose. So if we stick with this verse, if we're going to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, there needs to be some evidence that God is at work in me. And that's what we call fruit, that God is bearing fruit in your life and fruit in your character. If we stick with this verse, it says it is God who works in you to will. And so some of the fruit in your life is going to be, are your desires changing? Are the things you choose and the things you want changing? Is God shifting those in you? Are you moving towards the thing that Jesus loves and moving away from the things that Jesus hates? Are you wrestling with yourself when those desires conflict with the desires of Jesus? Is there any evidence that God is working in there? But it also says that God is at work in you to act according to his good purpose. Is there any evidence that God is at work in your character? That God is at work in your behavior and your choices? And don't just go, oh, yeah, yeah, in 1991. Now, I want to know about 2019. I want to ask about 2020. I want to ask about Corona lockdown. Is there any evidence that God is at work in you? And finally, here's a question for you. Do I relate to God? Do I have a relationship, an actual, vibrant, living relationship with God? Brought this up last week as well, where sometimes we come to God, we say the magic prayer, we swipe the magic card so that I don't have to go to the bad place, so that I can go to the good place, but then I go back and live my life my way. Now, think about marriage in this way. Imagine, I had to ask you, are you married? Yes, I am. Well, how do you know you're married? Well, 15 years ago, I said, I do. We got a letter signed. And then I had to say, but I've, I've never seen you with this wife. Oh, no, I haven't seen her in 15 years either. All right, we, that was the last time we spoke. Now, aside from some sort of legal document where maybe this metaphor falls apart, I don't know in God's eyes if you are married. I don't know if you have a marriage, even though in your mind you signed something. And so when we come to God as our genie and not as our Lord, and all I came to him for was to give me the get out of hell free card, but I'm not relating with him. I'm not walking with him. I'm not loving him. I'm not speaking with him. I'm not hearing him. I'm not seeking to live a life that is pleasing to him. I'm not following him. I think Jesus would say, well, stop. Evaluate. Where are you really? Stop deceiving yourself. And I know that sounds harsh, but this is an act of love to truly understand the truth of where you may be. By the way, if in the last 10 minutes you've been thinking about everybody else and how, well, maybe he or maybe she is not a true disciple, I need you to press pause, stop, repent, and go back 10 minutes and re-listen to the section thinking about yourself, where you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and you come to the Lord and allow him to speak with truth and love into your life about this. Now, I get it. At this point in time, this isn't one of those sermons that leaves you feeling pumped to go out there and change the world. I know this hasn't been a nice, warm, cuddly experience for you. But I'm hoping that for some of you, this was a life-saving experience. And here's what I truly have been praying that God has been doing. That while I've been speaking, if you're still with me, while I've been speaking, that God has been speaking. 
and that God has been surfacing something for you. And so I'm praying that we can bring these things to God together and that God will actually bring about some transformation in your life. And so let's enter a time of prayer and reflection together. So Holy Spirit, I want to invite you that for every single one of us, you would gently but clearly illuminate what it is you want to speak to us about and where it is you want to bring about transformation. And Father, I wonder if there's anyone out there who what is heavy on their heart is they are feeling called and compelled to respond to the gospel, maybe even for the very first time that you have made this invitation so abundantly clear. And whatever their thoughts of what Christianity and religion was about, they now know it is about Jesus and his lordship and his kingdom. And if that is you, for whatever whatever reason, you've realized that God is inviting you into his kingdom through Jesus who died for your sin so that you may truly live through him. And you want to follow him. And if that's you, we'd love to know about that. We'd love to partner with you in this. We'd love to be in touch with you. We'd love to resource you. So please want to email this email address so that we can give you some resources and journey this new exciting journey with you. But Father, as you're speaking to us, for some of us, you are alerting us to false teachers in our lives, people we've loved, people we've trusted, maybe even people we know. So God, I pray for such clear illumination on this to help us discern these things. I pray for courage where there is so much attraction about some of these ministries and some of these leaders. Father, maybe even the courage to speak to someone about this and try and get some extra input and clarity in our lives. Father, I pray for anyone who is listening to this and just what's heavy on their heart is they want to bear more fruit. And they are just sensing this invitation to go deeper and to go further with you, Jesus. And they want to relate with you more and walk with you more. And so, Father, whatever is the burden on their heart right now, I pray that you would be so present. And so clear that you would be at work in them, as that verse has said. And that you'd be causing a change and a shift in what they will, in what they desire, and what they act on. And that there'd be such evidence of you at work in this very moment. But also sustaining them as they go forward. And God, we trust you for this great kingdom work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today, guys, and please stay connected with us on our social media platforms. See you next week.